Designers. Are you trying to raise money, hoping to land a grant to turn your social impact design concept into reality and to be directly involved in creating a better world? Well, this episode of Core Talk could be a great start in figuring out exactly how to do that. Today I'm chatting with Joe Spiker. Spiker is our jury captain for the Core 77 Design Awards Social Impact Category and the executive director of Autodesk Foundation. Autodesk Foundation is a charity that stands out for its commitment to supporting social impact organizations that put design at the forefront of their thinking. Given this area of social impact development is still so young, it's gradually emerging, I'm not sure there's anyone better to get advice from on how to execute a project and seek out financial support successfully than these guys at Autodesk Foundation. Tune in to this interview to learn more about how to get your own project funded, how pivoting and adaptation is crucial to creating a realistic model for success, and also, fascinatingly, exactly how technology is coming into play in the realm of sustainability and social change. Hi, Joe. Thanks so much for joining me today. I kind of want to start just asking you to explain Autodesk Foundation and also your role there. Sure. Um, thank you for having me. Uh, Autodesk Foundation is a, uh, a 501c3 charity that has been established in 2014 to support the role of design in the creation of social and environmental impacts. And that is a, that is a very broad yet unique remit. Um, as far as we can tell, we're the only uh, philanthropic vehicle that's focusing exclusively on designing solutions that create social benefits. Um, in addition to that, I oversee uh, a bit of uh, work on the sustainability side um, at Autodesk, which if we want to talk about, we can get more into. Um, but um, that's the foundation in a nutshell. And what's your background personally? Oh, uh, let me, uh, let me see if I can summarize. Um, I am, uh, this is probably my third career. Um, I started off my career in banking and finance, um, which I, I did for a few years. Then I took the very traditional route and went from wall street to the peace Corps. Um, I spent, uh, three years in the Philippines, um, working on small business. Um, and I came back and I, I ended up, um, helping to found a nonprofit called Living Goods that um, was a hybrid nonprofit commercial entity that sold health products in developing countries. And so a lot of my work to date has been at the nexus of business solutions for social issues. And um, after about six years at Living Goods, I was taking a sabbatical and got um, was connected with Autodesk and learned that they were interested in um, using their design and engineering tools to create impact as well, which seemed like a natural progression from taking something in the commercial sector and applying it to societal good. And so um, I came in to help launch the Autodesk Foundation about three years ago now. It's amazing. Yeah. So it seems like you've had quite a bit of experience in a lot of different areas of this. Um, Designing for social impact is an immersive experience in which the designer has to put on many hats, that of an active citizen, an educator, a social worker, a politician. So 
for you, what has been the most important lesson you've learned in the field when it comes to spearheading a successful project? Wow, that's an expansive question. Um, <laughs> let me um, let me take a step, a quick step back, and talk a little bit about um, how I see um, design contextualized in the social environmental impact space, and then and then maybe I can answer that question a bit okay. better. But um, I uh, we envision a future in which designers and engineers can take into account the social and environmental impacts of all of their design decisions. Um, so for instance, today, we are not designing products for um, recyclability or the circular economy. We're designing products to be sold on the market. We're not designing buildings um, thinking about its uh, the life of the building and um, what it might need to be repurposed or reconstituted as in a future state, um, the developer is thinking about who they're going to rent it to. So uh, one of the benefits that we have here at Autodesk is we, we, we look at the life cycle of the products and buildings that are made in our software. So um, we look at the design of a product, we look at the, the manufacturer or make of the product, and then ultimately the use of that product or building. And so um, I, to, I say all that to answer your question in that taking the long-term view um, and being able to see multiple steps ahead, um, I think is probably the most successful, the most successful projects are those that take into account um, that long-term perspective and long-term views. I have a lot of other thoughts about um, <laughs> successful projects, but I think on the whole, those that, um, those that have a, a clear theory of change and understand where they're trying to get to and um, look for aligning the long-term incentives are those that are the most successful. Mm. <clears throat> okay. So Autodesk Foundation focuses on providing grants, learning resources, um, and software for designers and education systems looking to use design for environmental or social good. What qualities do you look for in an organization when determining if they're actively designing for a better future? Yeah, so um, we have the benefit of um, uh, supporting organizations that are using design to create impacts. And um, this is a relatively new field, right? There are, um, I, I, you know, I think since the advent of uh, uh, probably architecture and product design, folks have been trying to solve problems. Um, we are exclusively focused on the societal impacts of those problems. And uh, the first thing that we start with when looking for, uh, when looking at organizations that we're gonna support is the problem statement. What problem are they trying to solve? Um, I think that that's a, it's a very um, uh, crystallizing question because there is a lot of really neat design and engineering solutions out there that don't necessarily solve any problem. They're just, um, and and the field of design and engineering, um, you know, has advanced because folks um, are testing, tinkering, you know, creating things. Um, but really, we're looking for those that solve a specific problem. Once a, a potential partner of ours can, can define what their problem statement is and how they're going to solve it, then we get into the fun stuff of looking at the, the individual, the organization, to see um, if we think they can deliver on that. So we have, um, we have probably two 
two things that we look at that every philanthropy would tell you that they, they look at, um, that is an impact focus and scalability. Um, and then we have two characteristics which I think are relatively unique. Um, one is looking at the management team and the other is a, a design specific lens. What's the design solution here? So let's, t let's start with that. Um, usually when an organization says to us, you know, here's the problem, problem that we're trying to solve, here is our theory of change or how we will go from the current state of the world to the better future that we envision. Um, we then, we then look to see if design has a role to play in solving for that problem. Um, and in many cases, um, it is one aspect of a larger initiative to be able to solve problems. So for instance, one of our grantees, an organization called Proximity Design, they're based in Myanmar. Um, they are helping farmers solve for the economic challenges of, of being in um, a relatively isolated agrarian economy. They design products to help those farmers be more productive. Um, in many cases, that is a water pump. Um, that said, it is one small part in a larger um, initiative for the company to support these folks. So they also do um, economic um, data collection on behalf of the government of Myanmar and the United Nations. They also finance um, not only their pumps, but also other inputs for farmers. So um, when looking at the problem, which is um, uh, the 65 some odd million farmers in Myanmar who need support, what's the design solution to help them? Um, this is a perfect example. So um, the next thing that, that we typically look at that's relatively unique is the, the management team. So um, I would say this, this comes from our Silicon Valley orientation, um, whereby many VCs look at like, key man clauses and ensuring that the right people are on the team. We tend to look at, um, does the organization have the engineering and design talent on hand to be able to deliver on their vision? Um, in many cases, um, as you probably know, uh, design typically is an afterthought and gets farmed out. And we're looking for, is this a core tenant of the organization? Um, and then the last two, which I said, you know, from a philanthropy perspective are relatively um, uncontroversial. Um, one is, is impact, um, an impact focus. Um, and what we mean by that is, is the, our, is the organization able to measure their impact? Are they able to demonstrate what they're doing? We've done a lot of work um, with our grantees to be able to try to, to show that. Um, we've actually worked with a couple of different firms, one called Mission Measurement that helps to, um, helps nonprofit organizations show their impact. Um, and we've done a lot of work with our grantees helping them create their, um, their theory of change and hence their, their impact model. Um, the, the issue with design is that typically it is very far upstream. So for instance, one of our grantees mass design is designing a hospital. Um, they are not overseeing the day-to-day -day management of that hospital to be able to say, you know, we've helped this many people, um, uh, recuperate in a better designed environment. Um, so we're trying to think of some creative ways to solve for that. Um, and then lastly, scalability, um, we look for, is this, is this solving, you know, one small problem or is it solving a, um, something that can be, um, brought to a larger population and, um, and create societal benefit for everybody. So to, to recap, we look at, 
um, design solutions. We look at the management team. We look at the the impact focus with a with a lens towards measurement. Um, and then um, lastly, we look at the scalability of the initiative. <clears throat> and you've gotten a lot of experience just seeing a lot of projects go off the ground. Um, I'm sure you've seen a lot of successes and probably a few failures. So I would be curious to hear in a very succinct way what it, some tips would be for people thinking of starting projects, some easy things for them to remember in order to spearhead a successful project. Yeah, I, I actually, it, it, it goes a little bit back to what I said before, um, a, a really clear theory of change. So uh, we see lots of folks that have brilliant ideas um, that, that, that are, from an engineering or design perspective, really unique, innovative opportunities, right? Um, what, where projects fall down um, is all the assumptions whereby you go from the current state of the world to the one that the, the founder, the individual, the organization um, envisions that is a better state, right? And there are a whole lot of steps in between from designing a better widget to improving people's lives that have to be acknowledged. And those organizations and, and individuals that take the time to actually go through and write out um, and, and, and communicate clearly what those steps are, the assumptions that are inherent in all of those steps are the ones that tend to be the most successful. Um, I, I can't emphasize enough a really clear theory of change for how an organization or individual wants to get somewhere. Do you notice that, this, this is kind of just an off question, but do you notice that people's uh, who are open to this theory of change, their projects changing quite a bit the more that they develop their ideas? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So what, what, what frequently happens with, you, if you have a theory of change, you say, okay, a, a, an intermediate outcome, from, if we do X activity and sell Y widget, um, and um, we would expect this outcome to happen. Um, and when that outcome doesn't happen and you go and and extrapolate the why, uh, frequently a pivot needs to take place to be able to recenter on that. So it actually gives a pretty clear path forward for determining what wh where you're trying to get to. I, as I mentioned before, this is a relatively nascent field. Um, and so we end up supporting a lot of early stage organizations, those that have clearly articulated the vision that they, the vision that they have and how they want to get there. It's much easier to, um, to ride along with them as they're pivoting, um, based on the information they're gathering as they're traveling on that roadmap. So, um, so yeah, to your question and a very simple response is yes, those organizations that have that laid out, they, um, they end up pivoting quite a lot. Um, but, um, usually it's it's a pivot to get to their long-term vision right yeah so what are some things designers can do you think to start thinking of fresh productive solutions to new and emerging social challenges um i think one of the most exciting things in um in design today is all of these emergent technologies um and so at a, at a really high level, I think of that as um, the Internet of Things, IoT, um, robotics, um, and to a certain extent, machine learning and artificial intelligence. And we're starting to see some pretty early 
uh, adopters start to incorporate this into their work that can be societally beneficial, right? So I think of IoT, um, actually I mentioned proximity designs before. We supported a project that they did in conjunction with IDEO.org to look at um, uh, sensors on farms in Myanmar um, and how that can help farmer productivity. And I think increasingly that is going to be a growth field in the international development sector, that there's such an opportunity for super cheap RFID sensors on things that can be able to help folks um, in any number of ways. Um, in the field of robotics, using drones for disaster relief, um, we have a really interesting case of an organization called Build Change operating in Nepal that um, um, some of the villages that were destroyed in the Nepal earthquake of 2015 are incredibly remote and folks were already starting to rebuild on potentially dangerous sites um, that would typically require a structural and an environmental engineer to clear the site. Um, we help them uh, with some of our folks in our on our drone team here at Autodesk um, capture drone capture high res images, put that into a um, digital map, and allow those structural and environmental engineers to approve those sites for rebuilding from a remote location. So, um, which you know is not what you think of traditionally when you think of robotics, but it is an application um, of using machines to do the work of an individual. And it's really exciting. I think there will be more of that. And lastly, I think um, uh, this is the least developed, but machine learning and artificial intelligence um, has can be the most transformative in that. Um, we have one organization called Simprints that is, it's a hardware software um, nonprofit based in the UK that is doing basically biometric um, biometric data to get people identities for the for the over a billion people in the world that have no identification and therefore no ability to get government services. And, um, you know, following HIPAA laws and privacy and all that, they will have a huge data trove from which to provide services to. And, and I think, again, most folks don't think of that as traditional AI or machine learning, but there are just so many interesting applications there. And we're just starting to scratch the surface. So, um, I, in terms of new and innovative ideas, I think the application of some of these new technologies is really, really interesting in the field of designing for impact. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to hear the tech angle to the social impact field. It's, it's a very uh, innovative one that I'm excited to see what is to come. Don't listen to Elon Musk and that the AI is going to come kill all of us. I think <laughs> we figure out how to harness it and uh, we will be able to do a lot of people good. Yes. It's yep. also cool to hear that you guys have a drone team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We actually deployed, uh, we deployed a couple of guys who went out and helped them do this mapping, which is pretty neat. All right. Lastly, what are you hoping to see in the design award entries? So I think one, um, besides all the emerging tech opportunities, I think that um, one of the areas in which design and engineering um, has such relevant applications for societal benefit is climate change. Either in um, designing technologies that mitigate CO2 emissions or designing infrastructure and support uh, for adapting to a hotter planet. So um, I, I just think that this is, um, this is an area 
whereby design can have such a huge role to play and I want to see that potential filled. So, um, so for instance, with regards to mitigation, we, um, we support a couple of organizations, one of, one of which is called the Prime Coalition. They are an investor in science and technology solutions that can reduce one gigaton of carbon at scale. Um, and a lot of those are design solutions. So a lot of them are, it's energy efficiency for uh, industrial manufacture, um, it's really efficient or new types of battery storage. Um, all of those use design tools to create their products. Um, and so I think it's a really relevant application. With regards to adaptation, uh, one of the best examples is Rebuild by Design in New York, where after her hurricane, excuse me, Superstorm Sandy, um, you know, the HUD and Rockefeller got Bjarne Engels and the, the, the uh, big team to uh, redesign Lower Manhattan. And we're just starting to do that here in the Bay Area. Rockefeller just funded um, the Resilience by Design competition here in San Francisco Bay Area. Um, and so the opportunities for um, um, doing the, um, before we get the Superstorm Sandy or before sea level rise, looking at all of the applications for design and um, uh, preparation for a warmer planet is really exciting. So um, I think one of the things specifically I'll be looking for in terms of submissions is um, do these have a, a climate angle um, from a from a societal benefit perspective? Mm. That'll be your focus, sustainability. I, I just think there's such an opportunity and I, I hope folks take more of that opportunity. We're, I'm, we're agnostic to where impact comes from, but this is such a relevant uh, and under-resourced sector of designing for societal impact well and it's especially relevant now we kind of have to do it in a rogue rogue way yeah <laughs> insert trump dig here <laughs> yes yeah it's it actually becomes all that more important um because we're essentially everybody's got to figure it out without support from the federal government right yeah. well that's a great call to action just hope anyone listening will send in their sustainability entries and that's it we've come to the end of the road with our chapter featuring gore 77 design awards jury captains encore talk stay tuned for more podcasts in the future and if you're thinking of signing up for the Core 77 Design Awards, don't forget to do that. The deadline is March 8th. We would love to see your projects, so send them in. Thanks for tuning in to Core Talk. Mm-hmm.